Hey there, welcome to Better Advertising with Better AMS. I am your host, Justin Knuckles, and alongside me today is our technical wizard here at Better AMS, Dustin Wasner. Welcome, Dustin. Thank you, Justin. It's good to be on the show. It's good to bring some uh, some technical knowledge to uh, to this audience. I know most of us here just kind of have like the advertising Amazon front-end expertise, so you really bring the back-end um, capabilities that really help us you know, do some amazing things. So um, I'd love for you to, to introduce yourself and give a little bit about your background to, um, to everyone here. Yeah, I'd love to. So I got into Amazon in late 2015, um, kind of caught onto that, uh, that bug of be your own boss, digital nomad. And so we started doing RA, OA, listen to all the, the legends uh, as far as the, the people on podcasts, Facebook groups, got into all that pretty heavily, started getting more into manufacturing a few of the products that we sold. And now we have, we've narrowed it down to one brand that we still manage, um, but through the years, always gravitated more towards pay-per-click. And so uh, started managing other people's accounts while we had the brands running in the background. And in the process of that, learned to develop software, started with VBA, as many people do with Excel, and used that to optimize our current brand and a lot of the accounts that I was managing, and then got more into cloud-based apps, Python, SQL, and then everything that I do now at Better AMS, which is some of the tools that you yourself have worked with and helped me test out. So that's how I arrived in this place. That is a very impressive background. As someone who has a little bit of a, a private label um, seller background um, and have seen many other private label sellers and, you know, all that is on their plate to do that on top of, you know, learning coding and, and SQL and all the other, you know, technical uses of Amazon and AWS is, is truly incredible. <laughs> it's a lot to bite off. And I, sh- I shouldn't um, shy away from giving my wife my wife credit too. She's the one who really supported me through all those moments as most entrepreneurs want to just give up. And we have five young children as well. So trying to learn how to balance all that out has been a really fun, but admittedly challenging thing. So a lot of credit to her as well. Yes. Give credit where credit is due. It's not a one man team. Um, so yes, thank you to, to our cheerleaders and and supporters out there. (laughs) Um, so I know what we're here to talk about today is is API. Um, this is an acronym, you know, if you've been around Amazon, AWS, you know, you've definitely heard the acronym, especially with a lot of the third-party tools many of us use. So, I mean, let's just start at the top. If you've never heard of API, what is it, Dustin? So we'll refer to it as the API for now. We'll get into kind of demystifying that, but API is Application Programming Interface, and basically what it is, is the way I like to describe it, when I was thinking through how do I describe this to somebody who has no idea what it is, I would say it's like, imagine a vending machine that's against the wall, and it's got nothing on either side of it, no other vending machines, okay? One of the sides of the vending machine has no glass, so you can just reach in manually and grab all the stuff. When you go to the other face... There's a slot where you hit a button and a sheet of paper prints out. And then on the other side, you've got your typical buttons where it says, you know, G2, it goes to get me my Swedish fish, brings them down. So what this would be is like the actual database itself with all of your advertising data. If you mingle with that through the ad console, that's like manually reaching into the database to do stuff. If you like to do bulk ops, that's like going to the front surface 
It prints out the piece of paper. You take it, write down everything you want to do, slide it back in the slot, and it goes and does its thing with the data. And then on the third side is where we're talking about today, which is you use an interface to interact with the data. It has to be submitted to the machine in a certain way. You can't do 2J. It has to be J2. But breaks a little bit away from the analogy. The benefit here is that it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you, especially if you are going to build this out in applications where the reason you would want to do this is because you want to scale or automate a lot of tasks that just aren't feasible for a VA to do with bulk operations or just way too much to do in the ad console. So does that all, all of that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, API definitely helps us, um, I mean, in short, simplify our, our, um, our routine tasks and, and data management. Um, it sounds like, you know, um, as someone who's really skilled in Excel, I, I often have to grab those bulk files and merge together data that is not found within ad console together. So, um, it sounds like API kind of like makes all of that way easier and you can just, um, get it directly from the source and, and automate it. Yeah, but that that's absolutely true. But the reason that I give the analogy is because sometimes when I see within the community, people talk about the API, it's almost like it's got this like aura to it. Like it's got this hidden data or something. You know, there's a couple of things that you can do functionality wise through the API. But for the most part, when you submit a request to the API, you're going to get back. It's not going to exactly line up with the bulk operation bulk ops report of the ad console, but it's going to be the exact same keyword data, search term data, impressions, clicks, all those kinds of things. The point is there is, there's really no like mystical hidden data. And what I, whenever you're ready to, what we can get into is do I need the API? Because it's a big talking point, marketing stream data aside, which I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up coming into bulk ops. Um, That's kind of an outlier, but I think a lot of people who ha- don't have experience with it are wondering, is this something that I really need to get into? Yeah, I mean, as API exists today, um, I mean, we can t- get into you know Amazon Marketing Stream, which we will, but because that's so new, um, just based on the uses today of the API, um, sellers are probably asking that as they listen right now, like, okay, great, the API makes things easier. Do I need this? Um, you know, do people, what are the uses? How can it be used today? Obviously, bid ops, any kind of any kind of processes that you need to do in scale, or that it just takes too much um, automated uh, manual work to do, too many parsing of pieces of data, too many marrying of columns. Um, if you're an agency and you're managing several accounts, even if they're basic, it's still just it balloons very quickly. If you are managing accounts that don't necessarily fit into the tight constraints that a piece of software um, might have to offer, then you're going to have to develop a custom solution. So that's one of the reasons that a lot of people would lean to the API as well. One thing that I would point out um, when I did the air quotes earlier for the API that a lot of people might not realize is there are multiple APIs. It's not just the API. So primarily there are two, maybe three, depending on the client, APIs that somebody would work with. There's the ads API, which is the advertising data. That's what we're primarily focused on here. There's the SP API, which is the selling partners. So that has your inventory levels. That has your business report, which a lot of us advertisers are going to be heavily relying on. And then there's one that's not used so much. That's the product advertising API. That gets into more of like, um, if you're doing the Amazon, um, uh, 
the, the word escapes me now where you're, 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 uh, <laughs> I can't think of the word right now, but that's not one that, that we really get into. You have to maintain a certain level of status with a certain type of account. So uh, it's primarily going to be those two that people are using. And I mean, think about this. If you're paying a VA or you're doing this yourself, getting the business report every day, every week, whatever it is, that's going to be a ton of work. And that's why you would want to build an application that kind of does this for you. And the nice thing about this is using the API, it's, it's totally free. There are certain costs that go into warehousing the data because it's not like you just click a button and the, the bulk op sheet comes out to you and you've got it. You need to put it in a database and kind of build things out. But as far as the actual use of it, anybody could use this if you register today and have the data coming into the local machine if they have the understanding of reading the docs. Yes, um, that's a great call out is is the free low barrier, barrier to entry. Um, I, I take it many people here, um, unless they, they have some programming experience themselves and, and API experience, would probably want to go get a developer um, to start utilizing the API. Um, is that fair to say? That is fair to say. There are a lot of tutorials online of how to get up and running with something like this, but if somebody wants to just focus on their business and not learn JavaScript or Python and the very complex environment of AWS or Google Cloud Platform, then yes, you're definitely going to want to go to work with a developer. That's something that we can get into as far as we can review the docs here and I can show you how to read the docs so that you can maybe have a little bit more intelligent of a conversation with the developer rather than just kind of going to them blindly saying, hey, I need to build an app for the API. Right. Like I heard this API thing's really cool. Help me use it. Um, need some more specificity. So let's get into that. If you, if someone's looking for, again, all the usages for the API, if you know, they want to go pick out some specific use cases and find a developer, what, where can they go? What does that look like? Are you able to see my screen? Yes. And for those that don't have um, the visual that goes alongside this podcast, we are doing a screen share. So if you um, want to watch this video, please uh, listen via Spotify, um, or you can find the video via um, our social media. So um, back to the screen share here with Dustin, um, looking at the Amazon Ads API for sponsored products. Um, I'll let you take it from here. So we can put this link in the show notes so you can easily find the documentation, but it's located in the same portal as all of the bulk ops, the new, the new template and the old one, and... If you click into the API tab, you'll see the, the different ad types, brands, display, products. So let's just say you want to build out a very basic bid management system. So let's just say it's also just for sponsored products. If you click into this and you click on the references tab, these are going to be all of the different uh, groupings of data that you can pull from the API. So, for instance, if we want to see campaigns, if that's one of the, the pieces of data we want to send a request to the API and we want it to respond back, giving us all of the different campaigns in the account. So what I would do is, you know, it's fairly intuitive, get an array of campaigns. We're not going to be updating any campaigns here. We're not going to be creating any. So if you just wanted to get all the campaigns in the account. So what I would do is find, look at this and just take a screenshot with an arrow. And, and when you're working with your developer, say, this is the endpoint that I'm going to want to work with. If you need keyword data, um, certain bid levels, then you know click on the keyword 
bucket here, we can call it. And you can get all of the different keywords. You can get um, all of the different keywords with more data fields. You can archive different keywords. Um, you know, I could keep going and going here, but I think you kind of get the point. So if you're going to want to build something out like this, start on your favorite freelance website. Let's just say it's Upwork and say, I need someone to build a basic web app and JavaScript and Python are two very popular languages for doing that. And just say it's for it. It's for an, a, a, um, the Amazon API. And then you just have your specific endpoints that you're going to want to work with. What I would not do is say, I need somebody to work with on the Amazon ads API because you're going to get a lot of people who are saying, yes, I have experience with that, but they've really never worked with it. And um, it's just, I find it a lot easier if you keep that part out of it and you just get somebody who's used to building web apps and you can just provide them with the endpoints rather than a lot of people who are claiming they have experience with it, but probably don't, but they're just trying to get the work. So once you get all of your different endpoints grouped together, this is where they're really going to be doing a lot of the work. They're going to help you build out the database. They're going to be the ones to do the ETL process where they're going to Amazon, they're getting the data, they're putting it in the database and kind of going through the process that you, you want to do, applying your specific bid formulas for your keywords, for your ASIN targets, for your um, budget adjustments for campaigns, for your converting search terms into broad phrase and exact keywords, whatever that is. But this is the, the starting point. Before any of that happens, I would say try to familiarize yourself with the docs to see what data points the API is even going to have to offer to begin with. Right. Let's see what's possible first uh, before you start designing your dream tool. Um, So like you said, as you're building a web application, um, possibly as an individual seller, um, the beauty of, again, where we started this thing as API is is automating um, a lot of your tasks. So Again, even if you have like formulas, again, I'm an Excel guy. If you have your Excel formulas you use frequently to help do routine tasks, you still have to submit that data back to Amazon um, versus the API, your, your new web application you build would return that new data back to Amazon, right? Like bids, budgets, like you're saying, right? Yes, it would update everything through there. And that's a really good, I guess, dovetail into a question that everybody should ask themselves is, do I really need to use the API? Because if you're very familiar with doing Excel and you have experience with bulk ops and you can even throw together some macros and maybe piece together some VBA, which I think a lot of people could become comfortable with. There's enough free content out there. That's a lot easier than trying to teach yourself Python or JavaScript. Then I would say make that work as long as you absolutely can, because when you when you open up the API, yes, it, it creates efficiency. You can scale and automate things, but you have to maintain it. Sometimes the data isn't that clean. Sometimes it, the API is just down. So it, it's not like it's something. It, it's like procrastinate on it. I would say until you absolutely need it, rather than like jumping into it now and hoping that you can put it to good use, because you can still do a lot of really good stuff with bulk ops marketing stream aside and and still scale just fine if you've got the right VAs to use. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to build something that you then have to grow into. This should definitely be something if you have a a pain in your business now and you're like, this is just too much to handle. um, That's again, the beauty of API is the automation and the the pace at which you can scale your business and scale your tasks. Um, So that is just 
again, good call out there, Dustin. Don't don't build it if you don't need it yet. And let's uh, go back to the Amazon marketing stream we touched on a little bit earlier because that's kind of like the newest topic in in the API Amazon API world I think right now. Um, and we've seen a little bit of people talk about it on on LinkedIn. So um, what is Amazon marketing stream if you've never heard of it, and how does it tie to the API? So Amazon marketing stream is Amazon giving us hourly data on traffic conversion and budget data. And this is something that people have been wanting for a long time, but have not been able to get. And it opens up a lot of doors, not only for day partying, which is, I think, the most common thing that people are thinking of, but also to more easily manage, excuse me, budgets, because you're getting alerts all throughout the day of what's going out of budget. And if you can see that, you know, a ranking campaign that you have is going out of budget and it's two or three in the afternoon, then you can address that rather than not even being aware of it. Um, the marketing stream API is different than using the API like we've been talking about where I submit a request to Amazon and it gives me data back. I submit a request for keywords, it gives me the keywords back. With marketing stream, you subscribe to the stream and it just sends it to a queue um, it sends it to a container, let's just say, on AWS. And then your app will take that information that's in the queue and then add it to your database. So it's constantly being sent. You don't have to constantly request it and then receive it and work with it. So it inherently, it's a small technicality. For me, it's a bigger deal because I work in this all the time. But for the the average user, it's not going to be all that much different. But the biggest difference is that it's hourly data. You can actually see the time window. And one thing that I would point out that most people might assume isn't the case, but I was a little bit pleasantly surprised to see this, is that when you've got all of these different attribution uh, windows, one day, three day, I think seven, 14, and 30, I don't recall exactly. But when somebody ends up generating an order is attributed to the click window, not the order window. So what that means is that if somebody makes a click on an ad at 6 p.m. and it's in the 6 p.m. window and the order that they place is at 11 p.m., then it's attributed to the 6 p.m. window that sale is because it's attributed to that click. And where this, I think, is more helpful is if you're going to get more into day parting with this, um, you wouldn't want to shut off, say, you wouldn't shut off your 6 p.m. window. But let's just say that the data said you should because there was a lot of spend there and not a lot of conversions. But the conversions on those clicks are happening later. Well, in this scenario, that's not the case because those orders are going to be attributed to the clicks in their window. I mean, at, I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but does, does that all make sense? Yeah, it sounds like the attribution is tied back to the original action rather than the final action, right? Whereas like sponsor products, the attribution is triggered by that last action being the order um, versus, like you said, there could be a lot of time in between that. Someone might click the ad, add to cart, purchase many hours or a day later. Um, but now with marketing stream, we can attribute that back to when they first saw your product, clicked on the ad, came into the listing and, and started their buying journey. To an extent, um, it's 
the the order is attributed to the same window as the attributed click. I think you would have to get more into Amazon Marketing Cloud to actually follow if there are multiple clicks through that journey. But the point is that it's attributed in the correct window. So if you are going to approach this with a day parting mindset, then you don't have to worry about that disconnect so much. It's still something that you want to keep a finger on the pulse of as far as if there are multiple touch points before the order. But you get my point of what the concern is here that's alleviated. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we kind of glossed over the fact that you mentioned this as real-time data because I think that's so significant from from every point that it can pull for us, you know, budgets, um, bids, um, you know, impression share possibly. Like we can, we can see so much in real time to make those adjustments. Um, and I think that's why day parting has become a big topic within this capability, at least on LinkedIn, as I've seen is, you know, we can watch our conversion rate throughout the day and see fluctuations in our uh, conversion rate as CPCs are also changing. So ideally it's not crazy to think if you have a a higher conversion rate when CPCs are lower, that's when you'd probably want to exhaust your budget rather than the opposite when CPCs are high and your conversion rates low. So I think that's where a lot of people are coming at this from. Um, And is that, is that really the right way to be using this um, going forward? Um, you know, you, I think you and I have looked at a few of your brands that you manage here through the marketing stream data. And we've seen, looking at that, some of the same observations that others have on LinkedIn, where the CPC is highest at the time where conversion is lowest, when all budgets are renewed at midnight PST, and then everybody's bidding after those same keywords when almost no one is converting. So um, looking at it from a ROAS perspective, I think it takes it to a, a deeper level. And where it's really helpful, I think, is where you're doing it with accounts that um, have a limited no- amount of spend. And maybe there's more low-hanging fruit than there is spend to go after. So if you can shave off some of the less efficient times and move it to the more efficient times where you're running out of budget, it might be a strategy that you can employ. Um, the caveat I think to this is that if you're going to look at your windows where your ROAS is the lowest and day part away from those, then the approach I would take is you would want to kind of monitor this on an ongoing basis. So if you looked at this, say, quarterly or monthly, looked at the last month's data to see where you were performing the best and made your day parting adjustments accordingly, you know, that seems intuitive to me. However, the very fact that you've day parted those windows away means that you now only have a limited amount of data to look at. So it is kind of a catch-22 and something that does have to be factored in. The other thing that I would expect is over time, as more people get access to this, and they um, are employing day parting, that eventually you're going to see bids, you're going to see CPCs in the later afternoon, evening hours come up, and you're going to see CPCs come down in the early hours because everybody's, it's going to even itself out, which, you know, economically it should, but I wouldn't expect this great arbitrage opportunity if, if you're seeing that in your account to sustain into the future as this becomes more and more mainstream. Yes. Yeah. As more people start having visibility into, oh, no, I have a 10% higher conversion rate at 5 p.m. rather than 5 a.m. Like, 
definitely save my budget. I think more people will jump on that train as well. Right. But as more people are saving their budget for later in the day, the ROAS later in the day will end up going down because costs per clicks are higher because there are more people in budget bidding the CPCs up. At least that's, that's what I would expect. I mean, who knows? We'll see in a year if that ends up happening or how much people actually get into day parting. But you know, it seems like supply and demand would sort of even it out over time. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, be- benefits could be washed away if, if everyone starts, you know, using that. So, um, but again, day parting's kind of always been a theory, been a concept around. Um, but again, it's just now maybe a little bit easier. So, so we'll see if that becomes a bit more yeah. common now. And it's more accessible, and it's actually got a data-driven approach. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Absolutely. Well, um, Dustin, I appreciate all the time today. Um, Thank you so much for for sharing this knowledge on API. Um, And as our audience, if if this was, you know, if you want to hear more on API, more technical knowledge, um, Dustin has a wealth of it. So um, please, we can share more um, and have him back. So um, if someone wants to, like you said, get started with using the API Amazon Marketing Stream, um, they can always reach out to to a developer, um, as you talked about earlier. uh, or you know, reach out to us. We have built a lot of really cool tools here at Better AMS with Dustin's help. So um, come talk to the man himself. Yeah, feel free to message me on LinkedIn if you have any questions about it or if you are trying to um, look into a developer that you might want to move forward with on making a web app. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dustin. And thank you, everybody, so much for supporting us as we get started with these first few episodes. Um, As we said earlier, if there's anything specific we can talk about in future episodes, um, please let us know on LinkedIn. Um, Share this around to anybody who might need these topics, right? If you have a developer that could help you out with the API, then then share this episode with them. Um, So we'd love to um, get your support and feedback on this podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen, that would be fantastic and much appreciated. And until next time, um, I'm your host, Justin, and we'll talk next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.